I'm Betches co-founder Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho, please. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Better Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics coming to the end of another week, another very stimulating week. I was thinking about you, Caitlin, because like, as a person who knows a lot about global and domestic and U.S. history, is are you just super overstimulated by everything going on? Is your brain just like constantly looking for like historical references to like unpack and process? <laughs> like, I just I can't imagine how your brain has functioned this week. Um, basically, yeah, every time <laughs> it's just kind of like, it's it's just like an infinite web of information that's like, oh, this is like this, 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 this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, we're living like peak human right now. That's what I would say. Peak humanity. Yeah. I mean, I say I've said this a couple times on the podcast, but I never actually like process it myself. But, you know, I'm definitely one of those people that was like, oh, no, we're we're still in history. We're like still very much like don't know how to just not be empires. We're little babies. Yeah, I'm kind of looking at all the people who are engaged in that end of history thing and being like, do you you really thought that? Like, that's some definite boomer energy right there. Like, you guys, we fixed it. There's no more history. And you're like, yeah, that's my thought as well. It's like how (laughs) selfish and like how selfish and like narcissistic and arrogant to think that you are the generation that that gets to live in the world that now is not going to have these catastrophic problems. Of course, it would be us. There's not gonna be any history anymore. Like none of the stuff like it's almost kind of like weird inversion. Like, oh, no, 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 we fixed it. So nothing, no accomplishments after this are going to be historic. (laughs) Like, what? Do you even hear yourselves? Yeah. Uh, Some of it is jarring, though, just like especially the stuff about like, you know, Germany historically or historically the past like couple decades just not wanting to have a big ass army because of some of the shame that it still had. And then them seeing like, oh, shit, the world changed. We got to learn. We got to have our own stuff now. Yeah, there's like a whole bunch of stuff that like if you were to talk to people, um, you know, if you were to like somehow transport people from other periods of time and bring them forward and they'd be like wait what i'm sorry what i mean they wouldn't even know where to start if you blipped somebody out in like 1985 and we're like oh yeah germany's not only reunified they're part of nato and like all of it Mm -hmm. and it they're they're now sending two percent of their gdp to yes wars in europe and you're like Mm -hmm. i'm sorry what yeah yeah. And that people that are in live in Ukraine now who like watched like Soviet troops play a different role are now being bombed by them. It is it's a lot. It's a lot. 
it's a lot just for us being like far away and processing it. Um, definitely. Yeah, there's plenty here too. I was going through my Patreon archive last night, um, resetting everything so every tier of patron can read all of my archives. What does that mean? And oh, the archives. Me, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything before this year is. I was like, why is she um, making it all free? <laughs> Or accessible it, well, to everybody. It's not free. Yeah, <laughs> it's for for any any tier that you join at. You can you can read everything, and that's going to start happening uh, again in April. I'm going to do that for all of my content. Mm-hmm. But going back, I was looking at like the th- stuff that I wrote early last year, um, or not last year at, at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. Yeah. Because time is a flat circle. And I was looking at it and it was just looking at this person who was like trying to be hopeful about all this stuff going forward. And now I'm like two years later be like, well. <laughs> yeah, we have a very on the nose discussion topic on that today, too. We're going to talk, uh, as we talked about last Thursday, that Congress was uh, seeming to be a little bit productive, but they have yet to authorize new COVID spending that would ensure access to life-saving treatments does not run out by the end of the week. Yes, I said by the end of the week. But what are they doing? They are pandering to our collective disdain for daylight savings time. Earlier this week, the Senate passed the Sunshine Protection Act, which would make daylight savings time permanent. Some Here's the thing. This is not a great uh, metaphor, but it just sort of stung me that this had basically the same name as the Women's Health Protection Act, but it was the Sunshine Protection Act. And I was like, oh, we can support sunshine, but we could not support women's health on a bipartisan basis. But what does – so I had a lot of people that were like, what does actually make daylight savings, daylight savings time permanent mean? Well, that means that we'll never, like, fall back again. And we always have this more evening sunlight that then we get it back. It feels amazing. But – and don't don't shoot the messenger. Medical experts say that might not be what is best for us. What Congress is doing might not be what's best for us. Imagine that. We should definitely not be switching the clocks all the time, to be clear. But if we're going to standardize, most sleep experts say we should have more sunlight in the morning. That's because our circadian rhythms like need the sunlight to feel awake and it might just we might feel better rested altogether if we if we do that, it's better for kids who have to go to school early, but we could also just make kids not have to go to school at 6:30 p.m. but uh I feel like this could be some of the most controversial opinions we ever discuss, but where do you fall on this? Oh, man, I felt so confused. Like, should I go for it? Should I not? And then I realized I'm a vampire. So none <laughs> yeah. of this applies to me. <laughs> I was ready to like, let me get into it. Like, oh, I'm pro con. And then I was like, I go to bed. My natural circadian rhythm apparently is 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. Okay, so well, this I, is, this is I, mind blowing because I didn't know that you could just not engage in an issue that doesn't affect you. I had no idea. As it turns out, I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit here with popcorn and watch the Daylight Savings Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to participate in this. And the issue, the seriousness of it, like, it's important. But on the scale of important things in this world right now, I feel like I can just, you know, let me just tag myself out. No? It feels like one of those things, like when Facebook would do, like when we all used to use Facebook and Facebook would do like a revamp and everybody was furious for like a couple days and then you got used to it. Whatever they decide, I definitely think that it should be standardized. I don't like this process. It's annoying. My pets, my pet gets very aggravated. <laughs> but I will say, maybe my most controversial opinion, controversial opinion, I would like more sunlight in the morning. If I wake up and it's dark, I'm, I am dark all day. I feel darkness all day. 
That does make sense. And I was like, I'm very conflicted because I, being a vampire, <laughs> prefer the the evening darkness, the evening light, because mm-hmm. that means like for me, like my day is extended longer exactly. as far as I'm aware. See, and I'm a morning I'm person. A, I don't even wake up until nine. So from my perspective, everyone being like, oh, you have to, <laughs> right. you're like, we're not going to have sunshine until 9 a.m. I was like, I don't have sunshine no, until 9 a.m.? Yeah. No changes in my life, but I do remember waking up for school as a kid, and there's no way you could have gotten me up in, like, pitch black. I did that for a while. I did a 12-hour a door door by bus commute to D.C., oh. and I got to tell you, doing waking up in the middle of the night to move around is so painful. Yeah. Wait, so were you, like, a day student at the at the prep school you went to? No, I was a boarding student. Uh, the <laughs> the commute I did was for capitalism, so <laughs> that kind of ended it. ended that love affair right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I think we can all agree they just have to make up their mind. They just have to make up their mind. My see, that's the thing. My involvement outside the home ends at five p.m. And for some reason, like I don't know why, but like. My fiance, I'll go to the gym in the afternoon, and then I come back at like five thirty, and he's already closed the blinds. I don't know why. I guess he's like you. He's he's like we're in for the evening. We're done. We live in this contained contained space. But for everybody, I I definitely um, you know, I can see that the broad consensus is for more evening sunlight. Sunlight. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna die on this hill. Certainly not. Certainly not. Yeah. I mean, I'm starting to think about my nine p.m. like cocktail parties on rooftop bars. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. For the summer. Now that you mention it. How could I fight that? Like, how could it be like as an August baby be like less sunlight? Mm-hmm, I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. Also, as a person that lives in the city who sometimes walks alone after 5 p.m., maybe I would want more sunlight at night. So many factors. We, so many. Know, I feel like can, this exposes all the problems with our society. There's too much street <laughs> crime. School is starting too early. Goodness. Yeah, it's it's almost as uh, it's almost a mirror, <laughs> you know, a Rorschach test for for whatever oh. is like what's going on in this society. It's like oh, we can't make a decision about how much light we want. <laughs> Sorry, we're, we're in a war. Very with the polarized. Sun. We're in a war with the sun. Very <laughs> polarized in this war. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now.
Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Speaking of Congress, we mentioned last Thursday that our members had uh, actually seemed to be moving on some extremely important legislation that they'd let language. Turns out that was temporary. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID spending, something that we haven't talked about for a while, which should be which should prick your imagination to think like, oh, shit, then we might need more of it. Republicans in Congress are refusing to support $15 million in coronavirus funds. I suppose they have collectively decided that this many people dying every day constitutes a good state of the pandemic. But the Biden administration warns that this money is needed to replenish a lot of the testing, therapeutics, and vaccines that the country burned through during the Omicron wave. I mean, when they got their shit together to offer us all free tests, you probably got your some you probably got your tests in the mail. Those we need more now. We got to fill it back up. Uh, so the Biden administration is basically publicly pleading with Republicans in Congress to pass this and is raising the alarm kind of publicly and in publications. We are not in a position, the administration says, to put up a good offensive against another wave should it occur. I think the BA2 variant now makes up 75 percent of cases and uh, like things feel good now. But we this this virus has proven to be very adaptable and unpredictable. So how COVID broke are we? According to the Washington Post, who talked to a couple anonymous officials from the administration, by the end of this month, by the end of March, the federal government would not be able to purchase more monoclonal antibodies. This would force Washington to cut allocations of the life-saving treatment to states by more than 30% starting next week. And these things are saving people's lives in ICUs. We talk a lot about how we found the Biden administration to be too reactive to new waves, but it kind of seems like they heard that and they're trying to step it up and be prepared and flush with supplies. And it's Congress specific. Sorry, I'll take that again, Stacey. But it's Congress, specifically Republicans in Congress, who are not letting it happen. They don't want to unload more money when the deficit and inflation are high, so they save money. They say the money should be redirected from other programs. A senior official told the Washington Post, quote, we don't have enough vaccine for a fourth booster dose for everybody. If we need a variant-specific vaccine, we don't have it. They were also hoping to buy treatments for immunocompromised people with some of this money that they're running out of. And right now, the White House is talking to congressional and Senate Republicans about what kind of pay-fors they would accept as they look for new ways to finance the desperately needed treatments. Republicans in Congress and the Senate specifically are sort of like, find the money elsewhere. We've given you enough. Figure it out. And then and then maybe we'll be we'll be on board. But, you know, time I, I've said a couple times now, running out end of the month, running out end of the week. Here we are again. Here we are again. I wish I lived in a country with a functioning government. (laughs) Thoughts we have at least once a day. I mean, you know, like, it's just deeply frustrating, like, how broken things are and the ways in which we don't actually recognize it as broken. Um, Like, there's no reason ever that a government should, in the middle of an existing pandemic, struggle to get resources to mitigate that pandemic. Uh, to some $15 degree, I think billion like, dollars. we all just live in a certain amount of normal where it's like, okay, well, we can't say that this is like batshit insane, 
But at the same time, because like it would, we would all just like continue to lose it if we had to think about that structure all the time. So I don't want to lean too heavily on that. But sometimes it is worth a mode to be like, this is actually insane. Just to be clear, this is really, really not how it's supposed to go. And historically, as fact as the United States government is, it usually is like, oh, there's a giant, terrible thing happening. We Mm -hmm. should... Mm -hmm respond and like that's just been unifyingly like a concept that like everyone agrees on and stuff that like doesn't affect one party more than the other just like like mass death from a Mm -hmm. pandemic so it's a little bit frustrating that it's not working um yeah it makes me yeah it makes me think a lot about how as you were talking i mean we have a deadly disease in our society now um but i guess in saying that like we have the flu has been around and has killed tens of thousands of people every season, right? So I guess it's not surprising that at this stage, they're sort of like, whatever, you know, when things were seemed more dire, they were able to activate to stop, you know, mass amounts of death. But I guess what does mass amounts of death mean? I mean, relative to before the pandemic, this is still mass amounts of of death. My question is, if they if they actually are successful in fighting inflation, what are they what are Republicans gonna talk about? It, well, the bigger issue is, is that, like, inflation is just an excuse not to do things. Like, yeah. the, the honest truth is, like, there's no point in having a society in which people, um, there's no point in having a society <laughs> in which people die of easily preventable things, but inflation is low. Just, like, just, mm-hmm. just wrap our, just, what is the priority list right there? Like, how could you... It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It's it's kind of like cart court. Like there's not even a cart yet. Yeah. There's a bunch of wheels, and they're just like putting it ahead of the horse. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. What yeah, is happening? Yeah. Here? I'm annoyed that my cashew butter is more expensive, but I am thrilled to be alive to eat it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's we we do need to make sure that like the survivors can live a good life. But on the other side, I just point out the obvious, which is like a key aspect of that is recognizing that our society needs to flourish and people dying of an easily preventable disease. Like we know what to Mm -hmm. do. There's no question. That's what the admin is trying to get. Like, Hey, you guys, could you give us money to do the thing that like keeps us all running and makes it possible for us to have a society? And they're like, no, 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 we have to fight inflation Inflation (laughs) for the society that you want to let all the people die in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) It's pretty shocking. And I feel like, the other thing that's crazy to me that they will never actually be held accountable for is that a lot of these treatments that they're, the administration is 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 raising the alarm could run out are the treatments that save unvaccinated people's lives. People mm-hmm. who are unvaccinated because of misinformation they have received from members of the Republican Party. So I don't know. I need to look at the numbers. But like we talked about this earlier this week about how now in Florida – twice as many people have died from COVID than uh, the margin that elected Ron DeSantis. I am continually surprised that these people, that these politicians don't seem to have any like instinct to keep their electorate alive. Yeah, because what happens is, is that it's disproportionately hitting underserved communities. So it feels like, oh, we're we're watching Republicans let their own constituents die, like their mm-hmm. electorate, their voters die. In reality, 
like the the impacts if you look at who is actually dying and the proportions it's mm-hmm. still underserved communities and they've done a lot of work to actually like put more weight on communities that can't stop working that can't stop going out like the structural wealth arguments the access to vaccination the kinds of disinformation that they're spreading and also suggesting that it's it's a Republican thing. So people who aren't vaccinated in underserved communities that mm-hmm. are possibly more apathetic or, yeah. you know, they don't look at it and say, oh, well, they're talking about me. Mm-hmm. They say, oh, well, I'm fine. Nothing has happened yeah. yet. And I still need to work and blah, 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 blah. But then they don't make it easy for people to get vaccinated who have to get vaccinated, like mm-hmm. who can't function at, like by staying home. There's nothing they can do. They have to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you've written a lot about how like COVID was just such a huge opportunity, like you said before, to just not accept like mass amounts of illness and death in our society or just poor health in general and to reimagine how we like treat each other. And so it's so discouraging to me that this is even up for discussion. Like we've been doing this, we've been having fights over this money every single time it has been like Every single time, we always need more. It is always needed. There is additional need. People are going to keep getting sick. This is, even if it's endemic, that still means it's that still means it's still around. I mean, what opportunities did we miss up to this moment? Who? Uh, wow. Well. <laughs> Name <laughs> that two. List is a white <laughs> yeah, paper. Yeah. No. Um, two. Two of the biggest ones I think that we have missed. Um, wow. I think the public health messaging has to be the number one. I mean, rebuilding a sense of trust that the government is focused first and Mm. foremost on protecting its citizens and not on protecting the profits of its private sector was a huge missed opportunity. And that lack of faith has made it much harder to institute things like mask mandates, like all of these things that they're taking away are going to be so much harder to reinstitute if we exactly, have to. Yeah. So like, that's a real issue. Um, yeah, that's number one. And I guess number two, uh, other than public health messaging would be mm, uh, building better government distributions, uh, Mm-hmm. channels for things in response you know things like you know mass distribution and test distribution and setting up like a normal that allows people to kind of feel like there is something they can do individually to engage with with things while also making sure that the collective is safe yeah and as we've obviously watched what's happening in in ukraine like it's hard to imagine how that would play out in the u.s but like with with the state of the world and the tensions, plus the climate crisis, I mean, it's it's very likely that there will be situations where we need our government to like mass mobilize again. And it is very troubling to see these types of incredibly necessary things get get caught up and to have like the White House having to like plead publicly for a couple like members of Congress uh, to authorize it. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So for the rest of the show today, we're going to talk about a slightly different aspect of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and that's the relationship between Republicans and their donors who maybe are not so down with some of these sanctions. As Putin's forces were invading Ukraine and preparing to bomb civilians, attendees at various conservative conferences last week and the week before were praising his genius or disparaging Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. During Zelensky's address to Congress yesterday, Marjorie Taylor Greene reportedly refused to clap. Uh, which, I mean, she also refused to clap for Biden. I wonder who she does clap for. And Madison Cawthorn showed up at the last minute. Last week, Madison Cawthorn called Vladimir Zelensky a thug and the Ukrainian government incredibly evil, criticizing the country and its leader as it was being invaded by Russia, as as missiles are hitting maternity wards and, and theaters marked with the word children. Russian state TV even dubbed that comment in Russian. Many of his Republican colleagues in the House and Senate denounced that statement, but other people causing problems for Republicans trying to maintain a strong line on Russia are their own donors. Coke Industries has not only refused to cease manufacturing or sales in Russia, but its spokespeople have also opposed broad economic sanctions against Russia. So Coke Industries, they have all of these, like they have a bunch of like nonprofits, they have research groups, they have this whole universe. They have a nonprofit whose director of foreign policy which is definitely designed to make it look like this is a person whose input should be, is like expert input, said that uh, they support targeted sanctions against Russia in response for its immoral invasion of Ukraine, but don't believe broad sanctions accomplish anything. The industry, the company is refusing to cease manufacturing and operations. They have about 650 people employed there. So that's a little bit unusual just because, I mean, McDonald's is ceasing operations and they have tens of thousands of people employed there, but they're just going to keep paying them. So it seems like a real kind of like, it seems like a pointed, no, we are going to prioritize continuing to make money from these 600 people. The head of another conservative conservative Coke-based group went on to the went on the radio to say that Ukraine simply doesn't matter to Ukraine, America's security or prosperity, and they've been repeating that a lot. They're warning that the warning that they're trying to put out there is that there's no reason to mess with America's prosperity by imposing sanctions on Russia, which is just kind of mind blowing. What's going on here? Why why do they oppose sanctions? Why do they really oppose sanctions? I mean. Another thing about going through my archive last night was like I picked up the Mueller report again, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Red flag, Caitlin. We might have to change your red flag on an upcoming piece of content. Read the whole Mueller report. Yeah, yeah, I read the whole thing. Ugh. I didn't read the appendices. This is my fault. I only read the the main body of the report. Nobody, nobody read bad. that. Mueller didn't read that. Um, but. <laughs> 
those few hundred pages were enough, frankly. No, but I was, I just, it was just striking to me how many ties there are between the Republican Party, Republican donors, Republican financial structures, private entities that are aligned with Republicans, and the Russian government, which is very clearly an oligarchy run by Vladimir Putin. So, like, he's made every single one of these people wealthy. Like, the only way you can function in Russia is if you're doing it with Putin's, you know, permission. And that means that all of these people, like, when you're taking sides like this, like, we know who you're siding with. There's not a lot of ambiguity here. So, yeah, I mean, I think that fundamentally they are in bed with Russian interests. Um that want to downplay the seriousness of this war and they're inhibiting American efforts to try to hold Russia accountable for, for this via economic sanctions um, because we don't want to use military force. And so every time you get undermine a sanction, you're basically suggesting that like, okay, the alternative is, is actual bullets is actually putting people on the ground is actually getting, the United States embroiled in a land war in Europe. And that's which, not good for America's prosperity, Mr. Mr. Yeah. Koch Brothers nonprofit. The notion that Ukraine is just immaterial as if it's not this the, the other side of Ukraine are is a NATO country. Poland, yeah. Like no, obviously it is. It is a western friendly <laughs> country next to Russia. Yes, sure. No strategic importance at all. Oh, my God. I mean, outside the humanitarian concerns, which are tremendous, like even if you're like had no soul whatsoever, you still have to be like, no, Western Europe is next. Like that's the (laughs) natural progression of these things. Like we've seen it. There's history. You can't be a foreign policy expert and be like, Russia's going to stop here. It's going to be fine. Like policy expert ad. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many how many like Republican lawmakers do you think rely on a lot of Russian donations? I mean, technically, like foreign donations are not legal, but it's very easy to kind of manipulate so that I mean, I think recently, recently, they like had to cancel some donation from like some Russian person who donated to a politician to get like a friendly marijuana policy. There's like a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, man. It's so easy to launder money. I mean, we're awash. (laughs) A wash. a wash in foreign Russian money, in foreign money, in oligarch money, in you know. <laughs> I mean, if if the I'll be you know, it was interesting to me. I going back again to that report that I read the entirety of that turned out to have absolutely zero consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting. It was like I was noticing that Michael Cohen was on the financial, you know, was on the financial committee for the RNC. And it, the question is, you know, was he, the RNC laundering Russian money as part of their political contributions? 501c4s are dark money vehicles. Like how many of them are carrying balance sheets balance, you know, on the backs of rubles? Mm-hmm. How much of this is like Swiss bank account shit? Yeah, that we can't see. And no one's going to actually go and prosecute. No one's actually checking. No one's actually going to be held accountable for. So yeah, the Republican Party is awash in foreign donations. I don't think it can be argued any other way. 
And that's not even counting the amount of Russian money laundering that happens through real estate in major metropolitan areas, New York, San Francisco, LA, Miami, huge piles of Russian cash flowing through there, getting laundered and then possibly getting shunted to Mm -hmm. Republican parties. Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, I, I and I wonder if that's part of why, you know, some of these people on the far right, like Madison Cawthorn, like the narrative of Russian money as problematic and harmful and dangerous and contributing to war is like not good for their financial interests, for Republicans' financial interests or even electoral interests. I mean, I don't really know. I'm curious how all of this could affect maybe another like Trump run. But also it is almost but then my second thought is like, okay, great, a smoother path for DeSantis. So I just stopped going down that path. But do you think this, this sort of like, this will stay in people's memory as we approach an election where maybe Trump or Trump friendly people run again, that people will say like, oh, shit, we do remember that impeachment thing. Maybe this guy is dangerous. I'm thinking no, I'm thinking these are this is not a Venn diagram that overlaps. In order for people to keep something in their memory, someone has to bring it up, structure it, and connect it to something that people are viscerally experiencing. So that relies on Democrats Mm -hmm. successfully messaging about how, like, remember all that crazy Russian shit that we Mm -hmm. were going to impeach him over? Remember the javelins that were giving them now? There was a coup last year. Last yes. year, last year, we're, we're not, we're like barely, it's been 14 months, you guys. 14 months. It's wild. Like, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. Ugh, too much. Too much news. Too much happening. That's our show today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betcha Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betcha Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.